the very last words of Revelation chapter 22. Verse 21 saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, period, amen, period. And then my Cambridge Bible at the bottom of it says, The end. There's a bunch of Bibles that don't have the end in it, but my Cambridge Bible has the end in it. Uh, somebody could say it's part of the text, not part of the text, but to me it says a lot. And that's what I want to preach on for the next multiple weeks uh, about the end. Amen. So uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good and kind to us. We just ask you to bless this study. May it help people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. The Bible says a lot about the end. And uh, there's so many different things about the end, but we're specifically going to zone in at a certain period of time on the end. But I, I just want to show you some things and deal with this. If people watching by YouTube would be patient and go through the study, they'll learn something about their Bible and about God if they'll pay attention. Amen? Romans chapter number 3 uh, is a very, very good chapter, a very important chapter. And he says in verse 26, To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. And that's the bottom line. That's what the book of Romans is dealing with, is your righteousness versus God's righteousness. And you have to have God's imputed righteousness in your life. If you don't get it, it's over with. And how do you get that? According to Romans chapter number 10, verse 3, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish our own righteousness. See, that's the whole theme of the book of Romans. And uh, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, everyone that believeth. Look what it says here. That he might be just and the justifier of him which what? Is baptized. Now, believeth in Jesus. It's not just enough to believe about Him, but to place your trust in Him and on Him. Amen. Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, by the law of faith. But by the law of faith. Therefore, in view of that, we what? Conclude. That's the end of the subject. That's the end of the matter. Right there. The conclusion. Right? What's conclude mean? Well, let's look at the word end. End means to finish, to close, to conclude, to terminate. Amen. Uh, he says to come to, to the ultimate point, to be finished. Amen. To terminate, to close, to conclude. Conclude means to finish. Right? Let's look in Galatians chapter 3. So we see we're coming to the, the termination of the subject. God said the subject's closed. The subject's done. What? We conclude, therefore, man is justified out by faith. Why, why do people want to keep going to James and all these religions want to try to purposely put their religion and their faith out there, faith and works, faith and works, when the God, Paul said, this is the conclusion. This is concluded. It's done. Finished. This is the end of the subject, Paul said. People don't want to go there. Amen. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter number 3. See, the bottom line, that's what it is. It's the bottom line. Galatians chapter number 3, verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law, amen, given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Righteousness didn't come by the law. Amen. <laughs> if there would have been, 
you would have had a commandment. So the seven-day disadvantage is out the window then, ain't they? They think keeping the Sabbath is somehow the so-called let's go to church on Friday, Saturday, whatever they want to do, however they want to fix it up. But they violate the seventh day. They violate that commandment. They don't keep the whole Sabbath, right? Hello? Amen. And uh, so uh, the, the Sabbath is not the, the Holy Grail, so to speak, where it's the one thing you could do to guarantee you're going to have eternal life. Because what's James 2.10 say? If you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. So there's not just one law, one verse, one commandment to turn around and give you eternal life. Not even the greatest commandment can give you eternal life, which is with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. Listen, you can, you, there's nobody that can keep that. The laws, our schoolmaster approved us. Listen, we're not righteous. We can't keep it. And there's no one verse, there's no one command that can grant us eternal life. Right? All the law can do is show us that we can't keep it. The law shows us we're crooked. And that's why people don't like the law. The law is holy, right? The law is spiritual. Right? Amen? Isn't that what Romans 7 says? Luke verse 22. But the scripture hath what? Concluded. The bottom line, what's the book say? The end result, the final conclusion of the matter is all under sin. That means everybody's gone but one person. Who is that? The Lord. the Lord Jesus Christ. God had to take on flesh, live a sinless life for us. Amen. That the promise by faith of Jesus might be given unto them that believe. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter number 11. Romans, Romans 11. The conclusion, the end. You know, this thing was written to silence men's mouths, that every mouth may be stopped. Ain't that what it says? Listen, why do people keep running their mouth then? Because they don't believe what God said. The bottom line is, is what God says. He wrote it. He said it. That's the end. Verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are with what? Out repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now attain mercy through what? Their unbelief. Even so have these also now, now not believed that through your mercy they may obtain mercy. For God hath what? Concluded them all in unbelief. That's everybody's. Concluded. The end of the matter. Amen. Everybody's in unbelief. So what's the unpardonable sin? For us, and for people, it's, the un it's, it's unbelief. You say, well, you know, he just speaketh against the Holy Ghost. Listen, in this dispensation, this period of time, a man dies in unbelief, he goes to the lake of fire. And that sin is the sin that ultimately damns his soul, whether he places trust in Christ or not. All the other things are just proof that he's a sinner. Thou shalt not covet. He covets that proof. You're a sinner. You violated. Right? You speak truth to everyone's neighbor. You lied. You bear false witness. You're a liar. All those commandments are just proof that we're violators of the book. Now, if we believe the book, we'd say, you're right, God, I'm a violator. I have messed up. I have sinned. And so what do I need to do? He says, you need to take my son, trust what he did, okay? And then in belief, in faith, in what Christ did for you, that's what will convert you. Believe in not that Christ died for you and that God's law is the word of God and he wasn't your creator. That unbelief will send you to hell. 
Amen? Amen. The conclusion. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Amen. Solomon, supposedly the wisest man that ever lived. I don't know. I question some of that sometimes. By a bunch of decisions he made. Amen. Amen. It just shows you that you could be the wisest man in the world and still make a bunch of uh, bonehead decisions. <laughs> Amen. Amen. To have 300 wives, 700 concubines, I don't think that was a too smart of a decision. I don't think to take all them women with their strange gods was too smart of a decision. No. Amen. I don't think it was very smart. Amen. But he did write a lot of things. And like Brother Estep said, uh, when Ecclesiastes written, it's the last book supposedly Solomon wrote, and uh, he's a bitter old preacher. Amen. But he says in verse 13, let us hear the what? Chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion, the end of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad or whether it be evil. Amen. What's the conclusion? You will face God. You have to give an account. And you know what? According to the Old Testament, they had to keep the commandments. What's the commandments for me today? All right, 1 John chapter 3. We've got to find out a commandment for me to keep today. This is a commandment. All these people that claim to keep commandments, they sure miss this one. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 21, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep what? His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Notice there's something extra there. Right? All these people want to keep the commandments. And that's what they're trying to do to make their justification. So, comma, and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. Do they do everything that pleases God? How do they know all the different things that pleases God? So therefore, you can keep all the commandments, but if you violate to do the things that pleases Him, does that cross you off His list? People that are seeking to get saved by good works, there's things that will please Him. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Do what with Him? Hear ye. Hear ye Him. Do they sit around and listen to the words of Jesus and what He said to do? Those aren't necessarily all commandments. But boy, that pleases God. Well, people, people's going to be in a big mess, those who's trying to justify themselves and say that they're going to stand before God righteous and pure and holy. Amen? Let's hear the conclusion of the matter. All have sinned. Let's hear the conclusion of the matter. You're going to be judged one day for even your secrets that nobody's ever heard, nobody's even entered into your brain to be able to hear, but God's got it recorded. Oh, oh good night. Lord, can we, can we just settle out of court right now? Is there any way to just take all my thoughts and my hearts and intents of my heart and all the things that I've thought in, in my little head and in my heart? Is there any way we can just totally obliterate the evidence of that? Can we wipe the hard drive clean? Yeah. Ain't that in the news today? Somebody's got a bad hard drive right now with a bunch of emails on it. And they're in big trouble that want to be our president. Hello. The issue is what they've committed to that computer. And they got a hard drive that's not erased. 
Amen? And they think that if man can create something like that and save data, even through fires and storms and destruction, that somehow God's going to overlook what's on his hard drive up there, amen, and all of our thoughts and intents of our hearts. Huh? Somebody, amen. Listen, there's things that people don't even know they're going to have to give an account of. You see that? I put on some glasses. A guy's sitting there drinking a cup of coffee, and he's sitting at a restaurant, and he does one of them things. Huh? Just looks over his glasses like, who does he think he is? That pride just wells up in our heart. God said pride. Hello? <laughs> Amen? A proud look. We just look over, we look down our nose at somebody. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Listen, we're not talking about committing murder or adultery. We're just talking about just one moment of time when somebody walks into the room, our response and our reaction to that individual. Brother. Huh? Right? We just roll our eyes. Oh, brother. Man, we, do we need to pray now? <laughs> we need to have an invitation. Huh? Right? Amen? We're sitting there like this. We're, nobody's, you know, we're studious. We're reading. We're very smart. Somebody walks in the room and she's good looking and you go. Hello? Oh, he wasn't lusting. He was just noticing how good Levi's fit on her. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Hey, Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, that's just one moment of time. And how many times men and women sit back and we look at people and we judge people. Yeah. And we make a statement in our heart and our mind about that individual. We size them up when they walk through the door. Well, I'm telling you what, man. Listen, you better settle out of court and plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray he takes that hard drive and destroys it. No evidence. Amen. <laughs> First John, look at that. Do that which is pleasing in the sight. Verse 23, I wonder if they've kept this commandment. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ. Wow. I wonder how many of these seven-day Adventists are practicing that one. I wonder how many of these Jesus-name-only, baptized, tongue-seeking people done that one. See, they're putting their trust in water baptism and the evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues, and they're bypassing the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to a church of Christ today. They admit, they believe, they confess, they repent. They get baptized. Then they believe you got to live it and keep it. And if you don't keep it, you failed. They don't know they're saved. Listen, a Calvinist don't believe he's saved. He hopes, he believes, he believes that the Holy Ghost regenerated him so he could repent and believe. But ultimately, he still don't know he's one of the elect until he dies and he appears up on the other side or he wakes up in the flames of hell. Yep. It's still... A whole system of unbelief and they act like they're the special people been anointed by God, been chosen by God, and they're still living in unbelief. Well, I'll tell you what, that's dangerous. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Allah didn't have a son. <laughs> Amen. That's the spirit of Antichrist. He doesn't believe the Father nor the Son. Right? comma, and to love one another as he's what? And he that keepeth the commandments dwelleth in him and we in him. Hereby we know that he abideth in us. Amen. By his spirit which he gave us. Let's go to 1 John chapter 
Number two. What's the first and great commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy strength, right? And the second's like it on to what? Love thy neighbors thyself. Okay? Now, let's go to chapter 2, verse 8. And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith, amen, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even till now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because darkness hath what? Blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you've known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. Woo! Glory. Amen. Amen. They defeated the devil. How they do that? Well, you could, if you put this in a tribulation context, they've overcome the, the Antichrist. But you, you put this in a spiritual context, you can overcome the devil. How? By the Word of God. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? The devil don't have to get us. He don't have to get our young men. Our young men choose to allow to be a pawn of the devil, a toy of the devil, instead of getting in the book. And if they get in the book, they can overcome the devil. I write unto you little children because you've known the Father. Boy, ain't that where it begins? A personal relationship? I got born again and I cry what? Abba, Father. That's a cry, amen, in my heart. To cry out to God, Father, Father, Father. Amen. That wasn't in me before I got saved. After I got saved, I got somebody in my heart wanting to cry out, Father, help me. Father, bless me. God, I need you. Amen. You know what we got to do, little children? We got to get a... Uh, a special, what? Knowing, uh, knowing our Father. A special relationship developed. Then you can be able to get in His Word and begin to know Him and overcome the wicked one. I write on to you, fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. See, that, mature, that, that relationship matured. Amen? I have written on to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God, what? Abideth in you. See there? It's more than just reading it. You are resting in it. That thing's in you and you're in it. It becomes one with you. You become one with it. Yeah, man. You want to know what's wrong with a bunch of our youth departments around the country? These young men are more interested in hunting deer, running their coon dogs, chewing tobacco, getting a pickup truck, being cool, rolling their sleeves up, putting a pack of cigarettes in them, turning their head on backwards, pulling their britches down, amen, and looking like a clown. Huh? Amen. They're more interested in what the opinions of their the buddies say than what God says. Yeah. A real young man would want to get in the book and find out what God says and then say, I'm going to adapt my life to this and let all the world go to hell if they want to. But we got a bunch of young people in our churches that's more interested in what their buddies say. They're more interested in dribbling a basketball around. They're more interested in playing baseball. They're more interested in going out there, getting high, being an idiot. They're more interested in making a buck than that. Amen. Because you're strong and the Word of God abides and you've overcome the wicked one. Verse 8 says, and again, a new commandment. What is that new commandment? 
verse 15. Notice how he starts it in verse 8 and then he tells you what the commandment is in verse 15. Love not the world. You're to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy strength. And then you're supposed to love thy neighbors thyself. Then you're to love not the world. Three main commandments. I wonder how many of these commandment keepers keep that one. <laughs> Three strikes, you're out. They're whiffing. Amen. Baptist whiffers. Amen. They're whiffing. They're striking out. They're messing it. Why? Because most of them love the world. Amen. Preachers made this comment years ago. Why? What's happening to all our young kids? We're losing them to the world. You know why we lost them to the world? Because we wine them and dine them on the world. We teach them how to play ball. We got them in all the little leagues and, and all the little sports. And we, we got them going out working jobs and doing all these things and making money and all that. And we put the priorities on the world. And then they go to the world and say, what happened? How did we lose them? Well, you wind them and dine them on the world. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, what? Abideth forever. Man, how would you like to abide forever? Find the will of God. What is the will of God? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and that perfect will of God. Well, I tell you what, that's what I want to get involved in. That's what I want to find. That's what I did at 17 years old. I got saved, but then I run from the call of God, and then God corralled me up, hand me up, and at 22, I came to Him and surrendered to preach, and my life's been a running ever since. Well, I tell you what, I'm glad I ran to Him. I'm glad He changed me. I'm glad I've dedicated my life to Him. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of people thought I was dumb and stupid. I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade my 31 years living for God since I've been called to preach. I wouldn't trade that for nothing. Yeah. I've had nothing but blessed memories. Yeah, I've had hard times, disappointing times, discouraging times, and multiple times I've wept and cried, amen, because of my flesh and my failures and my faults and my sins and because of dealing with people. But I'm telling you what, in Christ and in God, man, it's sweet and it's great and I love it and I keep longing for more and more and more and I know this ain't it. I know this ain't all and I know one day I'm going to spend forever with him. He's coming back to get me. Listen, I'm going to abide forever. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> commandments, keeping his commandments. Amen. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter number 24. The disciples come to Lord Jesus Christ after he rips the Pharisees a good one. Amen. He, he lays into religion. He, he fillets it, man. He, he shoots it so full of holes, that boat will never float again. Matthew 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came on him for to show him, for to show him the building of the temple. See, people's ate up with their church buildings. 
You want to get a church upset? Preach against their church building. Preach against their carpet and their piano and their pews and their gymnasiums and preach against their steeple that reaches the sky and their chandeliers. Amen. And uh, the golden plates and, and the name plates on the pews and on the walls and on the plaques and on the pianos and just preach against anything that's physical about a church building. You'll see, you'll see them so mad because that's their religion. I'm not against having a church building. But that's not the church. The church is you. You're the church. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Verse 2, And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be here one stone upon another. It shall not be thrown down. Did that happen? In 70 A.D., that temple was destroyed. Amen? Came down, destroyed. What's over there today? A mosque. A mosque of Omar. The Dome of the Rock. Sitting on Temple Mount. You know what's going to happen? Earthquake. <laughs> Something's going to happen. An earthquake? A bomb? Amen? They say that they got bombs now that they can come in and implode my house. Amen? And not touch either house on either side of me. They come in with all these little bombs and, and get that thing to implode in itself. They can implode that mount without infecting all Jerusalem and still preserve the mount where they can build a temple. Now, I've studied the temple, and I've studied the third coming temple, amen, and I've studied the fourth temple. Fourth temple, yeah, the Lord's going to build a temple. There will be a temple there when he shows up, amen, because in Revelation chapter 11, they got a temple there, and the Antichrist goes in and sits on it. And then God's going to build Ezekiel's temple over there in Ezekiel 40 through 48. And the Lord's going to have his own temple put there. Hello, amen, amen, listen to it. But people don't believe their Bible. They don't read their Bible. Amen. But here's the thing. That, that temple, I've seen photos. They could actually build a temple and coincide with the Dome of the Rock right there on the same mount. It's big enough to be able to put the temple that they're going to build for the Antichrist. But I don't believe it's going to stay there. I believe it's coming down. And I believe somehow that may trigger World War III. And when that triggers World War III, somehow them Muslims are coming up against the Lord's uh, people, Israel, and somehow there's a war there. And then there's a covenant signed according to Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Let's look at that real quick. Let's look at Daniel chapter number 9. I know I haven't got to where I was going yet, but Daniel 9. That's what's good about having your own Sunday school class. You can get to where you want to go when you want to get there. Verse 24, Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined upon my people and upon the holy city to finish transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. That Half of that's only been done, right? And to seal up some of the vision and the prophecy and anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks and the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. But the people of the Prince shall come to destroy the city and the sanctuary and the, and the 
end thereof shall be a flood. That's going to happen in Revelation 12. Under the end of the what? War. There's going to be a war. Desolation determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of the abomination shall he make it desolate, even as consumption. And determined, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, uh, everybody thinks somehow when the Pope's showing up this week, or this month, in the 23rd through the 25th, that somehow all this is being fulfilled. <laughs> it's not being fulfilled when the Pope shows up to America. Yep. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm going to draw a little chart maybe in the Sunday morning service about this. But they believe that that prophecy is being fulfilled. There's people that believe we're in Revelation chapter number 6, amen, under the sixth seal. That's nonsense. They're all looking for the destruction of the world. Listen, the new world order may kick in at the end of September. America may cease as she's known because we'll have a new world order under the United Nations. Got no earthly idea how all this is going down, how it's all going to play. We may have a new currency. The dollar may disappear and the whole world, amen, wind up having a new world currency. Got no earthly idea when or how. We might not be called America. We may be called the North American Unions. They already got that plan to have that with Mexico and Canada. Right? We may get a new currency. I don't know. It might be a Pope buck. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to call it. Right? Bomber bucks. I, I got no idea what they're going to call it. Pardon? Could be a penny. Amen. According to Revelation 6, could be a penny. Measure wheat for a penny. Could be. Uh, pictures of famine. Pictures of one world economy over there. That's where we're heading. And the thing about the, the one world economy, according to Revelation 13, you can't take his mark, his name, or his number. His number 666. His mark appears it may be an X, but what's his name? We don't know who it is. We know that Pope Benedict called for a one world uh, currency to be under the headship of one man. They're calling for all governments to be under the head of one man. We know that Barack Obama wants to run the UN. We know Bill Clinton wants to run the UN. We know there's a bunch of men that's fighting to be that world dictator. The man with all power. I'm not saying it's going to happen in September. I'm just trying to tell you there's a bunch of people freaking out about what's going to go on in September. And I think the government and I believe other people may use that to their advantage. Because everybody's got their mindset in a certain area. And so they may say, well, if everybody thinks it's going to end, how about if we end it? This is our chance. We've got all the Christians. We've got all these people. they got them all worked up. They think we're going to have a one world government. One world government. Let's give it to them. And you know what? There may be a declaration. Barack Obama and the Pope and all them sign and do some things to bring it all together. I got no idea. But I know one thing. The UN's going to raise a flag at the end of this month and they're going to raise a flag and recognize Palestine as a state. Without Israel's consent, they want to obliterate Israel. This arms deal with Iran right now, they want to get rid of Israel. The whole goal is all this Muslim caliphate and all these Muslim nations that surround them to have Israel obliterated. They're hoping by 2030 to have her completely off the map. They don't want her over in that land. The Bible says she's going to stand alone. America is not standing with Israel anymore. That's dangerous for us. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that 
Accuracy. That's a dangerous ground that we're on. I'm trying to show you we're approaching the end. We're not at the end. And I believe there's a war. And I don't believe that war there's Armageddon. I believe that there's going to be a war, a third world war, and somewhere at the end of that war, somehow there's going to be a truce made between Israel and the Palestinians because they're going to part the land. They're going to divide the city. The city ain't divided yet. The city's not compassed about with armies, Luke chapter 21. That's fixing to come to pass. Jerusalem. The focus is leaving Israel and it's coming down to Jerusalem. God's tightening in the focus. He's bringing it in. And that's what everybody's missing. That city, one city, is dominating the news, the headlines, everywhere. And the average Christians, <laughs> they're missing it. They're not even paying attention. Back to Matthew chapter 24. I believe there's a war. I believe there's a war of desolation coming. I believe there's going to be a covenant confirmed with a man of sin. The man of sin may very well be revealed by the 1st of October. Hello. He may show up. The Bible says, a great falling away, comma, the man of sin revealed, comma, the son of perdition. The man's not revealed, I don't believe, as the son of perdition until he receives a deadly wound. Yep. He gets a sword over the eye and over his right arm. I don't believe it's a gunshot, amen, and his brain's blown all over the place. I believe it's a sword. The other day, when the Pope had a meeting over there in Israel, and they had a bunch of armed soldiers gathered around, and he gets off, and there's all those Palestinians and Muslims and, and people, and when that Pope landed over there, he's walking with Habas. He's walking with Benjamin Netanyahu. There are soldiers standing there with a sword. They're standing, swords are free. Listen, they're not talking about guns. They're talking about a sword. This guy's got a, these soldiers got swords. This the Secret Service guy's got swords. And all they got to do is come over there, one of them Muslim guys that hate Christianity so bad, which the Pope is not a Christian. He's a mock Christian, a false Christian. But all he's got to do is sit back and go, whoosh, and just step out of line, step out of attention, and swing that sword at that Pope, and he throws his arm up, and it hits his right arm, and hits his right eye, and he is slain. It could happen to Obama. Somebody could hate Obama so bad. What if Obama's the man of sin? He's, everybody wants to use an NIV term, the lawless one. He's breaking all the laws and commands. He's trampling all over our Constitution. He's writing his own laws, doing his own things. He's filling the law there. And I come to find out that his mother has Jewish blood in him. To be the proper fit of the Antichrist, you need to have Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It appears he might have all three of them in him. Could be. What if he is? I got no idea, but he's a good, good type. What if he's walking with the Pope and one of these soldiers standing there at attention? Just take a sword at him. And he's knocked down, receives a deadly wound. And on public TV, he's in the hospital, goes flatline. And then walks Kenneth Copeland or Rick Warren, Benny Hinn. Joel Osteen, and he goes, and, he goes and raises from the dead. He said, I say arise, and he rises up. It's going to happen. One of these world leaders is going to get slain. He's going to get martyred. Amen? It's going to happen. I don't believe I'll be here to see that. 
But that's when, when he rises up, that's when he becomes the son of perdition. That's when the spirit of Judas is carried enters into that man. Because his spirit and his soul leaves his body, leaves an empty shell there. The spirit of Judas is carried enters into that man, the son of perdition. He's one of the seven, but he's the eighth. You understand? Or he's the seventh and he's one of them, the former ones. He was and is not, but is to come. And he enters into him. And when he stands up and he rises up, Satan enters into him. You'll have the satanic trinity there in a man's body. It's going to happen. I don't know when. But the son of perdition is not going to be revealed until somewhere in the mid of the week of the tribulation. That's not this week. Everybody's trying to make us right now in the middle of the tribulation. We're pre-wrath. We done missed it. Listen, they're so fouled up they don't even know what they're talking about. But that's where everybody's at. And they say, well, what if you're wrong? I doubt it. <laughs> you say, why? Because I'm one of the few guys left that believes the book. Most people are most people that's quoting all this stuff are quoting funny versions and funny Bibles and going to the Greek and Hebrew, looking for everything else instead of looking at God's book. And I believe what God's book says. Everybody believes, and I'm going to draw a chart here in a few minutes, that the rapture is going to happen this month. At the end of September, Tabernacles at the fourth blood moon. That's as they're as nutty as a pecan pie. It ain't going to happen. You say, why? Because the resurrection takes place when? Well, I believe around Pentecost, but when does everything rise every year? Spring. It's a picture of the resurrection. The springtime, just before summer. The flowers are blooming. The trees all bud again, right? The fruit's being put out. Jesus, the Bible's telling us in Song of Solomon, chapter number 2, look, the, the figs are coming out. The grapes giving her good smell. Fruit's growing. What? Through the resurrection where life was breathed back into something. Butterflies are now flying. A picture of the resurrection. What's October? Huh? What season's October? Fall. The whole world's going to fall for the man of sin. The whole world's going to fall for the Antichrist. The whole world's falling into despotism and uh, whatever, however you want to call that, debauchery and sin. I mean, they're just, they're just falling into it. Amen. And Israel's going to meet their fall when they make the wrong choice and receive the wrong Messiah. It's not going to happen. The rapture's not happening there. The rapture's happening in the spring. Amen. Let's end on that point right there and we'll go back to Matthew 24.